This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. Do you suffer from burnout? Do you feel like your inner flame has gone out? Your fire has been extinguished? Maybe you feel like you're running on an empty tank. Your hands are on the steering wheel, your foot is on the gas pedal, but the tires are falling off the car and the steering wheel just came off in your hands. And yet you keep driving. You are mission driven until your body gives out. You're not alone. In two separate studies, it was determined that over 53% of all women in the U.S. today feel burned out. And over 68% of all working moms suffer from burnout. Are you one of them? And today, we're going to be talking about burnout. And I'm so excited to bring on my guest, who's not only a great colleague, but a close personal friend. Susan Shaw. She is a high performance and wellness coach, and she's going to be sharing her insights about how to prevent burnout, how to identify it, and how to manage your energy. The pandemic caused a lot of stress, creating much more burnout. And we also know from research by McKinsey, Pew, and Gallup that many, many women experience stress during the pandemic, not only related to what was going on in the workplace, but what was going on at home. Because not only were we working from home, we might've been homeschooling children, we might've been taking care of elderly parents, and we still had all of those domestic chores that had to be taken care of. So let's acknowledge a couple of stressors. I'm gonna talk about the domestic chores for a minute. Yes, there is a division between what men tend to do at home and what women tend to do. Women tend to be tasked with cleaning and cooking. And those are chores that cannot wait. If the kids are hungry, you can't say, oh honey, wait two hours, mom's gonna make dinner in two hours. However, if the yard needs to be mowed or the brain pipes need to be cleaned, those can wait until a weekend. All right, let's just acknowledge that's a whole other episode and a whole other conversation. But what we can understand is that there are societal expectations and cultural norms and the whole social media component that comes to the forefront when we talk about women's level of stress. Let's talk briefly about the expectations of society. Yes, there are high expectations and women are expected to have it all, have the great job, the great career, have the wonderful spouse, the awesome kids. And then there's social media with the high expectations of, we've got to look great while we're doing it all. And that is not reality. But there's one other influencer on our level of stress that is far more pernicious and far more pervasive than what's going on in society and what's going on in social media. 
And that's the voice of the inner critic, that little voice that always shows up at the most inopportune times that tells you you're not enough. Either you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not capable enough, the not enough message. I call mine my feedback loop because it seems to be on autoplay and it's always telling me that I could have done it better. And what happens in when, when we get under a state of stress is it's caused by our thought that we can control things beyond our control, that we can control other people's reaction, that we can control other people's responses, that we can somehow control nature and that we can somehow control external events. So the first step in combating stress is to understand we only have control over our own responses and reactions and that we must take care of ourselves. Because when we get into that place of stress and we stop taking and practicing self-care, we run our system down and we suffer burnout and we suffer lack of efficacy, lack of effectiveness and lack of self-awareness. So today, my guest, Susan Shaw, is going to talk us through all of this about how we can not only better manage our energy, but actually be more effective both at home and at work with our community, with our loved ones, and with our colleagues. Today, my guest is Susan Shaw. She is a high performance and wellness coach. And not only does she have a degree in psychology, she also has a background in sports. She's a national championship winning coach and athlete. Susan, welcome. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you, Lisa. I'm happy to be here. Well, well, let's jump in. I, I, this is just a really general question, but I have to start here. Why do you think burnout is such a burning topic for so many people today? Well, first of all, it's a global problem. I would say it's an epidemic. And second of all, it's a complex problem. There's no one simple solution. We can't address it just at the individual level. We have to address it at the organizational and societal level. And third, the cost to individuals, organizations, and society um, is so great that we can't continue to ignore it. Yeah. In 2019, the World Health Organization officially recognized burnout as an occupational um, phenomenon, an occupational um, yeah, hazard. Occupational hazard, hazard, phenomenon, <laughs> hazard, and uh, and then in in, in 2022, uh, just this year, they um, finally, or I shouldn't say finally, but they they. Uh, included it in their international classification of diseases. They didn't call it a disease. They called it a syndrome, but, or a medical, you know, they didn't call it a medical condition. They referred to it as a syndrome, which upset some people because they felt that it was relieving organizations of their responsibility of the role that they play. And it also makes the person who's experiencing burnout feel like they're broken. Yeah. Like there's something yeah. wrong with them. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. What are some of the signs of burnout? I mean, I touched on a few, but you, you're the expert here. What are yeah. some of the signs? I mean, 
Yeah, the, the key signs that you, you talked about are the energy depletion, exhaustion. That's huge. And the second thing is cynicism. And this is a sneaky one. This one sort of, it's very subtle. Sometimes it starts out subtle, but just, yeah, negativity related to your job. And then the third one, of course, is professional and efficacy and effectiveness. But, you know, there are other signs and symptoms that may point to burnout as well, like things like um, being irritable and impatient with your colleagues, clients and customers. Um, just using food and drugs or alcohol to, to cope, to, to feel better. Um, chronic fatigue, of course, and changes in your sleep patterns. Insomnia is a big one. And just a lack of energy to be consistently productive. Yeah. And yeah, just unexplained, um, unexplained headaches or digestive issues can also be, you know, possibly linked to burnout. Right. It does also cause high blood pressure and high cholesterol, right? So yeah. I'm curious um, what your thoughts are about the difference in statistics. Is it that women are just more self-aware and so we're ready to acknowledge we suffer from burnout? Why do you think it is that there's a higher percentage of women that say, I'm suffering from burnout, I've seen these markers, I'm in a constant state of fatigue, whereas not so many men seem to complain about it. It's about a 20 to 15% differential there. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's a few things. I think it could be partly due to the fact that men don't want to admit to burnout, um, that it makes them appear weak or, you know, not a, not a strong leader. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think there's many things. Women are, tend to be more heart-centered, more service-oriented, more nurturing. And so they tend to, in the workplace, they tend to be the ones that are providing mentoring, counseling, emotional support when a colleague has a problem. Whereas men, uh, male leaders tend to be more analytical and they just, um, they don't ruminate on a problem. Or, or well, no, I'm gonna. They don't. They don't tend to be the one to offer the emotional support. Not always, mm -hmm. but I think. And then you know, along with that, I think because women are t tend to be the ones. I mean, they tend to be the ones that are offering the emotional support. They're they're so busy offering support that they don't get the support that they need, and they maybe don't take you know, look after their own self care. So I think that that's a big one. I think also women tend to have a, a stronger pleaser saboteur. So they put um, everybody else's needs and agenda ahead of their own. Yeah. Also, yeah, women, women in the, um, you know, high performance, high stress, high performance roles, they tend to be uh, problem solvers. And so now I'm talking about workplace problems. Right, <laughs> and right. So they're the go-to person for solving the problems. And so they're so busy helping other people that they don't have time or they have less time to get their own work done. And then, right. you know, scrambling, they're taking it home, they're working on the weekends, they're working in the evenings. And I think, you know, you um, have talked about this, well, you, you in your opening segment, you talked about the fact that um, women leaders are often um, leaders of the household. 
And so they tend to carry the brunt of the responsibilities at home, like the cooking, the cleaning, the childcare. And of course, during the pandemic, you added um, homeschooling and in some cases, elder care. And this is a huge, huge burden on women, working women. Um, it's crazy. Just ta just talking and saying it out loud makes me know, generate know. stress. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. right. And then, you know, so, something that you talk about um, often is the fact that women are um, passed over for promotions more often than men, even when all things are considered equal, you know, in terms of experience, right. And right. expertise. And so I think women feel like they have to work harder Correct. to. Uh, get noticed and to climb the ladder. Please tell us how you started on this journey of energy management. Yeah, sure, Lisa. Yeah, I well, I believe, first of all, that you should never have to sacrifice your personal life for professional success. And unfortunately, I learned that the hard way. For many years, I struggled with lower back pain that eventually turned into a herniated disc and the odd sleepless night turned into chronic insomnia. So I'd go to bed around 11, wake up two or three hours later, staring at the ceiling, wide awake, thinking about everything I had to do the next day. And then when my alarm went off, I would drag myself out of bed, go through my day in survival mode, and then fall into bed that night exhausted and do it all over again the next day. And uh, I relied on high carb snacks and, and uh, sleeping high carb snacks to get through the day and then sleeping pills to get through the night. And I was I just felt like I was always rushing, always racing to the next thing, like I was chasing the clock. There was never enough time. And my weeks felt like never ending marathons. And I used weekends to recover. And um, I remember thinking, you know, if I just put in the extra hours now, it'll get easier down the road. <laughs> but it never did. Yeah. yeah. On the outside, yeah. my life looked great. I enjoyed fulfilling relationships and was doing meaningful work that I was good at. But inside, I was feeling more and more disconnected from my work and my life. Right, right. Yeah. I know that many women who um, are in high stress job, and especially moms who are in high stress jobs, are doing exactly that, whether it's the little blue pills and the high carb snacks, maybe it's the Beaujolais at night and the cappuccino or espresso in the morning. So mm -hmm. I know that you've shared with me, you, you really, you were in a very dangerous situation that really made you say, wait a minute, will, will you share that story? I, I know it's super personal, but I know that you're not the only woman who's got a story like this, where there was yeah. that moment of, I got to yeah. do something. Yeah, definitely. It was a close call. I was driving home after a long day of work and I had a real wake up call that just snapped me, <laughs> snapped me out of my, my, my slumber. Um, I was, uh, I pulled up to a busy intersection. The light was red. There was a line of cars behind me and a line of cars beside me. And after about uh, 15 seconds, I started to move through the intersection when I suddenly realized the light was still red. And mm. the thought that, you know, the universe was looking down on me that day for sure. But the thought that I could have killed someone, including myself, right. was, was frightening, was really frightening. 
And, you know, my strong desire to succeed and make a difference led to unsustainable or unrealistic uh, work habits and, or sorry, unrealistic expectations and unsustainable work habits. And even though, um, you know, those work habits were generating success, it wasn't sustainable. Right. And uh, it didn't bring me the happiness I, that I thought it would. And so, you know, the, it became crystal clear to me the way I was working wasn't working. And so I partnered with a professional coach. And through the coaching process, I gained some key insights. So as you mentioned, I'm a former athlete. Well, I still like to think of myself as an athlete. Oh, I know um, you run all the time. <laughs> I know you do. I know you, yeah. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, as, a, as an athlete, I understood the importance of energy management for high performance, but I wasn't applying it to my work and life. I was taking my energy for granted as if I had an endless supply. And, um, you know, I, I realized this was not a time problem. This was an energy problem. And uh, not enough time was just, just a symptom. Right. So right. The work of, of Tony Schwartz and Jim Lear uh, has been a game changer for me personally and professionally. And they share their work in their New York, New York Times bestselling book called The Power of Full Engagement. So exercising the the the, strat, the principles and the strategies that they share in the power of full engagement has completely changed the way that I operate. It's it's changed the way I make decisions and the way I approach my life. Now I'm still a work in progress, but I'm pain free and have been pain free for many years now. I'm healthy, fit, and I'm doing work that brings me meaning and joy, and I think the best part, Lisa, is that I sleep soundly most nights for seven to eight hours. And I want that for my clients. I want my clients to experience to, to experience like to be able to do work that brings them joy, but also have um, the energy to enjoy a life beyond work and to be fully present for their loved ones. I want that right. for them. Too. Right. Um, there is that saying are we working to live or living to work and living to work is not mindful and it's not focused on reaching our full potential as humans. I have to ask you this question. If you could tell your younger self something, mm -hmm. words of support or guidance, what would you want to say to yourself? I, I would say to myself that we are all perfectly imperfect. Yeah. So be kind. Yeah. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, show, you know, show self empathy to yourself and, and empathy towards others. I think everybody's just trying to do the best they can with where they are on their journey. And, you know, the other thing I would say is that life is not linear. Life is not a straight line. There's going to be twists and turns and speed bumps or roadblocks. And so know that you can, you can turn circumstances into a gift or an opportunity for learning and growth. And if you approach life like that, it doesn't feel so stressful. If you know that even if things go sideways, you can turn it into a gift or an opportunity. I'm not saying yeah. it's always easy. And lastly, I'd say, you know, get support when you need it. Yes. That, that's something I'm not good at. And it's something a lot of women, they're so used to looking after everybody else. They're not good at asking for support. This is a question that we've talked about a lot, and we've both mentioned it. 
in that as women, we know we're responsible for many people beyond ourselves and many needs beyond our own personal needs. And we can slip into that, let me help mode, and we can refuse to ask for help or forget to ask for help. So what do you say when a woman is struggling with burnout, not practicing self-care and her response is, I don't have time for one more thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, what I would say is, well, I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about my, my process. And, um, and so, you know, women will often say, but I don't know how I can fit one more thing on, on my plate. I'm just already stretched to the max. And first of all, the program that my mental fitness program is designed with busy people in mind. But also, if you think about, if you factor in the amount of mental and emotional energy that you're wasting um, by being stressed, in, you know, under constant um, stress, you're wasting a lot more than what it's going to take to, um, to, to take the steps to, um, to better energy and increased effectiveness. Yeah, there is so much survey, uh, so much research and data out right now that when people actually schedule time to focus mm -hmm. on self-care and practice things that help them reduce stress, they actually feel like they have more time. It's mm -hmm. it's so, so interesting. So I just dive in a little bit more into your process, uh, the mental fitness process and the energy management. Just describe a little bit more about that, please. Yeah, well, I, I use a combination of coaching and mental fitness. And I think everybody's familiar with, you know, everyone's familiar with the term physical fitness, but maybe not as many people are familiar with the term mental fitness. So just for your listeners, the definition of mental fitness is the ability to handle the the challenges of your daily life and work with a pos more positive mindset and less stress. And Shirzad Shamim has been a huge influence um, on me in this area with his work on po in positive intelligence. Um, he His work is based on his Stanford lectures and his New York Times bestselling book, Positive Intelligence, and also research with more than 50,000 uh, people from 50 countries, CEOs, uh, high-level athletes, students, um, business people um, across multiple in industries. And so he's been a, his work has been a huge um, influence on me and, and the work that I do with clients. So just you know a little bit more about positive intelligence. Positive intelligence is, um, or PQ, which is short for positive intelligence quotient, is a measure of the percentage of the time that your mind is serving you versus sabotaging you. Right. And so just, you know, for every negative thought or interaction you have, you need three positive thoughts or interactions to counteract it. So the tipping point is 75%, um, you know, if, and, and just, you know, your IQ and your EQ, your emotional intelligence, they contribute to your maximum potential, but it is your PQ that determines how much of that potential you actually achieve. Right. So, um, you know, in my work with clients, I use a three phase approach, um, which 
with mental fitness being a foundational element. So the three phases are alignment, awareness, and action. The first phase, awareness, is about, um, it's about, it's focusing on helping you reconnect and align with what brings you true meaning and purpose. And when we're under constant stress and overwhelm, we lose sight of what really matters to us. Yes. And I think we kind of talked about this earlier, our executive functioning diminishes and our amygdala, our stress response is heightened. And right. we're, in a, we're in survival mode. So we, Correct. never mind, um, you know, what is important to us, we can't experience any positive emotions when we're in constantly in survival mode. And so this phase helps you really get clear on who and what you want to invest your energy in so that you can be very intentional in your actions. And then phase two, awareness. Um, this is where we, we take a look at your current reality without any blame or judgment to pinpoint any gaps between where you are now and where you want to be. And uh, we use a self, uh, saboteur self-assessment to ad- identify where you're self-sabotaging in the areas of effectiveness and, and wellness, happiness. And um, then we, after that, we start to um, build three critical muscles in your brain in the form of neural pathways. So um, those three muscles are the saboteur interceptor muscle, the self-command muscle, and the sage muscle. And I can talk a little bit more about those in a moment if you like. So yeah. oh, let's let's take that into the next segment, because I just want to clarify for listeners, when we talk about the saboteur, that is just another way of talking about that little voice in our head, that little, the voice of the inner critic, I call mine my feedback loop. Um, full disclosure here, I have worked with Susan, I have been her client, I have gone through the positive intelligent quotient uh, program. It is an amazing thing, because what it allows you to do is to build new neural pathways. When we have a neural pathway in our head, that little voice that says, you're not enough, you've got to, as Susan so clearly said, you've got to take three actions to counteract that groove you developed in your brain saying, I'm not enough, that constantly is on autoplay. You need to take three actions to counteract that, to rebuild a new, more positive neural pathway. You were talking about the three essential muscles. And can you just recap for our viewers, because this is really critical part of your work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So after the saboteur self-assessment, we use research-based tools and techniques to help my clients build three critical muscles in the brain in the form of neural pathways. So that's the, the saboteur interceptor muscle. This is, you know, you hit the pause button when you notice you're experiencing negative emotions. Right, and then the boys yeah self-command and and then the third one is the sage muscle and and in doing so what happens is you strengthen the part of the brain that serves you and you quiet the part of the brain that sabotages you and within so six quiet. to eight weeks mri imaging shows increased gray matter in the area of the brain where the sage you know your wise self um mm-hmm. your, you know your sage lives i'll just call it sage and the part of the brain that, um, and, and then, yeah, and then the part of the brain that serves you and decreased gray matter in the region of the brain that, that sabotages, sabotages you, you know, you call it, we call it the survival brain. Right, and this, primitive brain. This, yeah, this is evident in six to eight weeks of this practice. 
Wow. So you're actually able to develop your brain in a way that is really positive by learning how to silence the saboteur or that little voice, the inner critic, or I call mine my feedback loop, and mm -hmm. then become self-aware to self-master, autocorrect, put in a more mm -hmm. positive way of acting, and then access the sage, or some people refer to this as the higher self, the mm -hmm. higher source of wisdom, which has people we all have, but we tend to kind of ignore it, especially when we're stressed, when we're in that primitive brain, we cannot access that sage part or our higher self. Wow. So, oh, this, then, I mean, six to eight weeks. Awesome. Yes. What were you going to say? And then phase three is all about action. And, and so if yeah. you think of this phase as a mental fitness gym with a personal trainer to provide you with customized support and accountability. And, and so just like physical fitness, mental fitness is not a one and done bought the t-shirt. It, it requires regular practice. And so in this phase, you continue to grow your mental fitness using an app-guided daily practice. And that, um, that's customized to you based on your top saboteurs. And uh, as you continue to weaken your saboteurs and apply mental fitness to your work and life challenges, you will dramatically reduce your stress and experience uh, greater effectiveness and happiness. So it's really, really powerful stuff. And it, it all falls under the umbrella of energy management because those women who say they don't have time, I can assure them that they're wasting a lot more time than what it would take to, to do this work. And, you know, they're wasting that time by being stressed, constantly stressed out and overwhelmed. Wow. So to actually have a program that people who are at this high stress level are guided through and supported. And you mentioned there's an app involved. Now, I know that you are also offering a special gift today to everyone who's listening. And people can reach out to Susan at her website, susanshaw.ca. That's Susan, S-U-S-A-N, Shaw, S-H-A-W, dot C-A, for more details. But Susan, please talk about your special gift today the sustainable yeah. success session. Please explain this because so excited. Yeah. Thank you so much for your generosity. Oh, my pleasure. So yes, your, your listeners are invited to uh, take part in a complimentary one-on-one -on -one private sustainable success session where we will, um, uh, they'll do a saboteur self-assessment. And so well, the first part will, of the session will be just reviewing that assessment, re reviewing their results. And then the second part of the call will be um, looking at how those saboteurs show up in their work and life and how they're impacting them and what, what it's costing them. And then the third, uh, lastly, we'll look at next best steps to help them um, dramatically reduce their stress and increase their effectiveness and happiness. And if they go to my website, uh, susanshaw.ca, um, they can click on the Get Started page and that'll take them to my, my calendar and they can book a time that's convenient for them. And even if that's the only time we ever talk, I guarantee that this one hour session, this 60 minute session will be incredibly valuable. So, oh, so generous. So again, to all the listeners, 
This is a complimentary. It is Susan's gift to my listeners. You can get to her website, susanshaw.ca. Push the prompt that says, get started. Did I get that right, Susan? Mm -hmm. Get started. Because what Susan is really offering here is the ability to let go, put aside the self-consciousness and embrace self-awareness so that you can let go of the self-doubt, the self-denial, and learn how to not only experience compassion for yourself and others, but reduce the stress. Because let's acknowledge stress is part of everyday life. It's there for us. There are no magic bullets, but I will tell you from personal experience, this program works. Thanks for listening to Grace, Grit, and Getting It Done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at bigsky, B-I-G-S-K-Y dot coach. Lisa at bigsky dot coach. Thanks for listening.